0: The Reality Check podcast is brought to you by Skillshare.com. Click the link in the show notes now to get two months free premium access to all of my courses, as well as the thousands of others that are up there right now. If you want to learn how to do something and you're not sure where to find an instructor for it, Skillshare is the place to go. My courses go in depth on how to meditate for your mental health. So if you've been looking for an excuse to start meditating, or if you want to help support the podcast, click the link, sign up and get started. Remember, the first two months are free and you can cancel at any time. I want to talk about fear in the sense of things that are holding me back from taking action. This came about from a conversation I had last night with a friend and we were talking about where we're heading in life and what we're trying to accomplish. I try to be as driven as possible and I've got a lot of stuff that I'm trying to get done. But then I always like to step back and have conversations with people and just think it to myself, you know, why? Why am I doing this? And the core answer really for me is that I don't want to regret things. When I look back over my past and I'm 31 now, I look back over my teenage years and my early 20s and there's just so much stuff that I didn't do and, you know, given life circumstances now and you know, the way time goes, there are some things that I will never be able to do. That's okay. I've accepted the fact that I can't do those things. But I don't want to look back to this time and go, man, I regret not doing that. So then the question becomes, well, why did I regret these things? Why Why didn't I take those actions? Why was I so fearful? And I suppose the clinical definition is, is it's an anxiety disorder, but let's deconstruct that because you can put all of these symptoms into one label and go, well, I've got anxiety. So, well, I'm stuffed, right? But that's so restrictive and so confining. And I just don't buy it. I, I love, I love it as a diagnosis, as a way to explain and understand, you know, yourself and other people and all that sort of stuff, but it's a terribly, it locks you in if you define yourself by diagnosis. That's a whole other rant. point I'm trying to drive at is that let's deconstruct the fear that I had and perhaps you're having about not taking actions and following your dreams and doing the things that you, you really wanted to be doing. The first one is, is that I didn't know where I wanted to head. I was in a survival mode. I was just trying to live one day at a time, get enough money to survive, and you know, go back early enough, survive a terrible household. So in those environments, I didn't have time to think about who I was or what I wanted to become or where I was headed. It was a matter of, let's survive this day. Let's make sure there's food to eat. Let's make sure this drug addict sitting next to me won't hurt me or my family. However, there was a very big gap of time for when, when I look back at it, I was objectively safe, but I wasn't acting like that. I was still stuck in this mentality of survival. And that would obviously have lead down to the the issues with an anxiety disorder. But I was for all intents and purposes safe, yet I chose not to act. I was still stuck in that old school, my old time mentality of survival. That morphed into a feeling of, well, what would people think of me if I did this? You know, one prime example for me is when I was younger, my friends at the time would all go out and party and drink. And it always bothered me for a couple of reasons. One, my father was an addict, so I didn't really value an inebriated state as much as other people did. And and, and two, I sort of noticed that there was this distinct time with my high school friendship group when prior to this, this date, this time, prior to it, everyone, every activity we did was sober. But then all of a sudden, seemingly overnight, every activity we did had to involve inebriation, drugs, alcohol, whatever. And I felt like something was lost there. For me personally, I don't. Really get that into inebriation. It doesn't do it for me, and this could be an example from my father, just sort of counter opposites or my own mental state. But whatever it is, however, I come from. I live in Australia, and there's a massive drinking culture, and you know other other stuff as well. So so there's this, particularly when you're young, this strong social pressure to do that, and, and not only the social pressure, but it's more than just. Like, it's not the typical, like, oh, peer pressure, come drink with me. It's more, it's just what people do. It's just how people act. And it's quite hard to, first of all, realize that you're not quite into that like other people are. And second of all, take the action to take those steps away from it. I haven't touched a drink for now, I think, 10, 10 months. And I feel great. Problem is, every time I go out with friends or sporting clubs or whatever, there's people drinking and sharing and all that sort of stuff. And no one's going to pressure me into it. And I'm very open about my lack of desire to drink. But everyone else is doing it. So I still feel this pressure. And in the past, I would have fallen or succumbed to it and just joined in. And I sort of look back and I apply that same logic or that same circumstance to everything. Same thing with work. The the expectation that the typical person, what's seen as success is, in a sense, is full-time employment and, you know, stable and secure jobs. My dad's side of the family is ethnic and it's very much seen as this is how it felt at least, get this safe and secure job, you know, make sure you're getting paid well and, you know, work up work up the ladder, so on and so forth. But for me and for my mental state, it was killing me. You know, quite literally trying to work full time was causing me to spiral down in terms of mental health. I was getting depressed, I was self harming, I was contemplating suicide. It just you know, I could just couldn't do it. And that, that led me to feel because, you know, the quote, quote unquote, successful person does the full-time job and the mentally stable person, the one that's able to, you know, have their shit together does the full-time job. I can't manage that. I'm trying, but I just, I just fucking can't. So what does that mean for me? What does that make me as a person? I, the only point of reference for working was my father and he didn't work. He was literally on government support supplemented through drug dealing. So I saw, you know, people that were successful, friends, fathers working, and I just didn't have that role model. I didn't have the mental fortitude. I couldn't manage it. I didn't have a point of reference that there was another way that in the same way that you don't have to drink if you don't want to, that there's another way to Work Over time, I looked into a bunch of people online doing piecemeal work or doing a bunch of different jobs or going down the entrepreneurial route. And I slowly started experimenting with that, not because I thought it was a good idea, but, but just out of absolute necessity. I couldn't maintain the full-time work, so what else did I have to do? I had to make those steps. I ended up quitting full time full-time work and started doing a bunch of different casual jobs. Thankfully, I've been able to build that up. And now I'm working on building up a social media presence online, selling books and coaching and all of that sort of stuff. The point I'm making, though, is that I didn't have the role model or the guide to be like, hey, it's okay. You don't have to work full-time. You know, obviously provide the food, the money for the food and the rent and all that sort of stuff that you need to, but it doesn't have to be done this specific one way. But making that choice, right, it was... (laughs) it was done out of desperation, but also out of, you know, there was a lot of fear and hesitation leading up to it. I'm just so grateful that for whatever reason I decided to, well, I know the reason, I decided to 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 take every action before I did something I would regret. This is the one bit of advice that literally saved my life was before you kill yourself, try everything. Like, try everything, yeah? For me, that meant quitting full-time work and I sold a house (laughs) to to just live off it while I whilst I worked out what I was getting done. So like I've always been quite frugal. I used the money I was working full time up to, to save for, to buy a house and you know, do the typical, you know, middle class investment thing, but it just I just couldn't manage it. So I sold the house, didn't get that much from it, but enough to survive to be able to get me enough time to really think and decompress. So now with that time and with, you know, now that I've come out of that and I'm sort of on the uptick again, I've found a lifestyle that has worked for me in the sense of I do a bunch of different jobs and I'm earning enough money to provide the support and lifestyle for my family that they need. Nothing lavish by any means, but it's, it's enough of a living to be able to say, hey, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing the thing. It's not traditional. I don't get, you know, because it's all casual. I don't get sick leave or holiday leave or all that sort of stuff. So it's not it's not the same. It's not as secure, but it's more secure because it works for my mental state, right? And that's where it really does matter. Because once again, if I was so depressed that I'd end up killing myself, then what happens to my family, right? They're stuffed. Well, they're not stuffed, but it's going to make it a lot more challenging for them. So for me, job security in that sense became doing what works for my mental state. And I had to step back and see it. And Part of what I'm trying to do here with my podcasts and blogs and vlogs and video courses, all that stuff is basically say, hey, there is another way. This is this is some of the things that has worked for me. And if you're in the similar mental state to the way I am, if you think the way I do, it might work for you. By all means, try shit before you kill yourself. What have you got to lose? Try it try a psychologist, try meditation, try medication, quit the job, break up with the person, move house, do whatever you need to do. Because, you know, once you kill yourself, that's it, you're done. Yeah. Anyway, rant aside, I find there's a lot of internal pressures to act in a certain way. I'm hyper aware that if I was raised in another culture or another time, my inner workings, my operating system would be different. I would be judging the world via a different lens. I would be looking through it via a different lens. It'd be like having like red cellophane over my eyes. I would be seeing things differently, right? So, what that means is, is that I'm I'm aware of the impact of my upbringing, of my culture, of my time on how I think about the world and how I am. And what should be done. I'm a massive history buff. And you, if you look back, you look at what people believed in particular times, and it's easy to go, ha, 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 what idiots. But if I was there, I'd be believing that same stuff too. I'd have those same values. they would be shaping me as a person. Yeah, I'll still have my own opinions and all that sort of stuff, but i would be shaped by the times and the place that I'm in. What that knowledge has allowed me to do is to sort of free myself a little bit from how I feel about the world and what people should do. Given the internet and the, 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 the technological revolution that we're living through right now, it's very easy to connect with someone online and go, wow, look at what they're actually doing. Well, look, at, look at how different people are living across the globe right now. And, and for me, that's connected me with a bunch of people online that have stuff that I want to add to my life. For example, given my upbringing, I noticed that I didn't have much discipline. Yeah, my father was just not a disciplined person in the sense that he had no self-discipline. And therefore, I had a distinct lack of self-discipline myself. So what did I do? I went looking for someone that can teach me self-discipline. And I found Jocko Willink. If you haven't looked at his podcast or his books, do so. Okay, they are just... There's, There's something that I listen to almost every day. It's his... You can find it on iTunes and other places you listen to music called Psychological Warfare. It's quick two to three minute talks and it just instills discipline. Get on board that train. It's amazing. The, going to see him isn't the point though. The point is, is that I recognized that I need to have some more of that in my life. So I went and I've added that to my life. I sort of self-indoctrinated myself by sort of using, using him as a, like a pseudo-discipline father, right? So then I'm looking at, well, other things. It's like, what else do I want to add to my life? I want to add some mindfulness. I want to add some meditation. I want to add some sort of purity of thought, mental clarity. So I looked up Sam Harris. He's done a awesome app called the Waking Up app, and it's basically guided meditations. It's completely secular, which means it's not religious, which means it doesn't have all of the, the woo-woo stuff that can put people aside. Yeah, I love it. Dan Cullen for, for History and Current Affairs, um, Joe Rogan, a bunch of people that I listen to to basically put into my mind different ways of living and different exposures because I've realized now that the only way that I can move past this fear of acting, the only way I can really truly find myself is to look at how different people are living and go, yeah, that works, Now nah, that doesn't work and sort of build my own self from that because I've seen what people can be done. And obviously, I'm sort of developing my own freedoms and ideas of what I wanna actually be myself and working myself out, but having role models and guides is vital. I now wake up every day and meditate as the first thing, then I exercise, then I respond to people on social media. That's like a little routine that I've got. I don't drink, I eat (laughs) literally minced meat (laughs) as a, you know, just plain minced meat as a way to get a bunch of protein, lean meat into my into my diet, because this stuff just works for me. Drinking green tea, right? The 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 point is is that I've now developed a slow process of self-discovery. I wanna to suggest to you that that's the first thing you need to do is to 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 think to yourself, who do I want to be myself? Fuck what everyone else is thinking. Don't worry about what people will judge who, who do i want to be right now and then applying that applying that to your life incrementally and slowly take those slow steps and if you're not sure if you know mm, I don't really know what I want to be but I know I want to go down that path find people either in la- online or in person that can slowly guide you down that path right and take those steps and the, the, there's another thing that stops stopped me initially taking action and will stop you is, is that When you start making changes, your social group will change, right? It by definition has to. So let's say you're into drinking. That means you've got a bunch of drinking friends in the sense that you all drink together. Same thing if you're into a particular sport or a particular interest or whatever it is, right? Particular drug, it doesn't matter. You will have made friends based on a particular thing. And if you start changing that particular thing, going down a different path, those friendships may not come with you. If you find new interests, you're going to get new friends based on that interest, right? That means you're going to lose people and you're going to gain people. There's this inner desire to go, oh, I just want everyone to like me. I just want to hold on to all my old friends and make sure everyone stays with me forever. That's okay if you're 100% happy with where you are, but unfortunately, those people are going to change and you're going to change. You're going to change because your life circumstances are going to change. Your personality is going to change over time. You know, you'll know, you get a family. You'll get different jobs. You're going to get older and that will cause different things because you can't do the things that you used to do when you were a teenager, right? All of these things are going to happen. So your friendship circles are going to change. And if you're actively trying to pro- to, to change where you are, those, it's going to cause that change to happen a lot faster, right? It's just, it's just how it is. And that can be quite confronting to know that you're literally going to be saying goodbye to some people just because they're not going to be the same fit in your life as other people. And that can be restrictive to self-development, self-growth. Before I finish up, I want to just touch upon that from a mental health perspective. I, I know from personal experience, you, you you have a tendency to connect with people based on your mental state. You know, you're sort of suffering together. And that's great because, you know, you need support, you need help, and you need to sort of deal with where you are. But if you start a journey of self-healing, self-discovery, therapy, meditation, medication, all that sort of stuff, and it's working, you will find that some people aren't coming along for that ride. Now, this isn't to say that you should abandon them or anything like that, but if, you're, if your journey is taking you into a different place and you're no longer barely functional, but you're literally moving into a place of thriving, those people won't be able to connect with where you are because they're not there at that time. This has happened in my life and I try and be as compassionate and caring as possible and sort of offer my advice and care and comfort and all that sort of stuff and it's helped some people but other people sort of rebel against it, reel against it and negatively judge me for it and that, that, that's okay because I understand that they're not in that place to take those same steps that I took. And obviously, their journey is completely different to my journey, and their inner state is completely different to my inner state. Complex, but what I do know is is that I've taken those steps, and I can see the my functionality increasing when theirs hasn't, and that causes a lifestyle change. And it's you know, I would love everyone to be able to rise with me, and this is why I'm doing you know, writing the books and doing the podcast and all that sort of stuff because I want to try and help as much people as possible. But the reason I'm saying this to you is is that there will be people that you will leave behind because if you don't, if you try and keep those relationships, you'll realize that they're bringing you back down in the sense of their coping mechanisms, their coping strategies are what you used to use 10 years ago, Right. If you used to use drugs and alcohol to cope with your mental state, and you've moved beyond that, and you no longer do, as I do, and you speak to someone that's still using those coping strategies, what are they gonna suggest to you? What are they gonna do with you when you see them, right? They're not gonna say, hey, you know, you should go see your therapist. They're gonna say, hey, rip this bong. Hey, you know, Drink this drink, whatever, right? They're going to do those things because that's what they do to deal with their mental state. And if you know that that's not good for you right now, you need to have the ability to say, you know, stay strong and say, hey, sorry, not for me. And if you can't, or if they won't listen to you and respect your boundaries, you may have to just move away from that relationship. Never burn the bridge. Always extend that hand of saying, hey, this is where I'm at. Come with me. But you might have to take that step back because it might be detrimental to you. Anyway, I appreciate you listening. And if you want to connect with me on social media, I can be found at Zach P. Phillips everywhere. And if you like this podcast, there's two things I want you to do. Number one, make sure you've reviewed it. Honestly, it really helps. Just chuck that review up. It takes 30 seconds, makes a massive difference. And the second thing I would like you to do is recommend it to someone. Either post it online socially or Private message. And the reason for this is a couple of things. One, it'll help them in the sense that they'll get a good resource. But two, it will let them or the world know that you're someone that's safe to talk to about mental health, mental illness, recovery, all that sort of stuff. We need to open ourselves up to talking about mental illness and mental health more to break down the stigma, saying, hey, this is the reality of what mental health is like. This is real. Yeah? So please do so. Catch ya.